Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, April 10th, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we are on page 45, the last paragraph beginning with, we know how. Today's readers are Do 12 Steps, Rachel M, 12 Traditions, and our readers are Larry, Marita, Katie F, and Do. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, April 9th, is 6159. That is 6159, the OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Du to read the 12 steps. Du? Do if you could please press star one to unmute so we could hear you read the twelve steps. Katie, this is Melanie. I can do that. Oh, thank you, Melanie. Perfect. You're welcome. This is Melanie, recovered compulsive overeater in Oregon. The twelve steps. We admitted we were powerless over food; that our lives had become unmanageable. Two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Yes. Thank you, Melanie C. And I'd like to ask Rachel M., please, to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Rachel, a recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thanks, Rachel M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topics and literature we are discussing and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers, is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, please press star 1 to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, 
everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 45 and we're going to read two paragraphs. We're going to read the last paragraph on 45 for context and finish up with the paragraph on page 46 which is God and our comments will focus on the second paragraph. And I'd like to ask Larry to please get us started with the reading. Larry? Good morning, Katie. Uh, this is Larry, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Okay. We know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. To others, the word God brought, brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. With that rejection, we imagined we had abandoned the God idea entirely. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. We looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claimed to be godly. How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Yet in other moments, we found ourselves thinking, when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? There was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. Yes, we of agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. Let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. Okay, so, um, you know, we, we start off here, I guess what jumps out to me, again, is the word prejudice. You know, prejudice is a, a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. And I, I love chapter four, you know, because that, that was me coming in. You know, I'm reminded that Dr. Young told Roland Hazard, we learned that ideas, emotions, and attitudes, you know, which were the guiding forces of our lives, would suddenly be cast aside in favor of an entirely new set, you know, of these ideas, emotions, and attitudes. And, you know, perhaps you can identify with where I was, uh, like here, my prejudice. I mean, to say that I had great doubt and prejudice about this God thing it is like the ultimate understatement. My idea of God was that of a little boy, you know, the, the punishing God, you know, the God that, that when he was he, okay, when she was disappointed in me, she turned her back on me. You know, that was the God of, you know, of my, my young childhood. I perceived to believe in a, in a, you know, I could not believe in a higher power personal to me. That notion was preposterous. I mean, at least, you know, something like pumpkin pie made me feel better for a little while. You know, frankly, it appeared more real to me than any, excuse me, ladies, but divine little man in the sky. You know, eventually we all, you know, we all learn that Santa Claus isn't real. So I, I couldn't accept the idea of God then. You know, I, I couldn't accept it later. And, and I couldn't accept it when I got here, a hopeless 
anxiety-ridden, you know, mess of a, of a man. I was rejecting God, you know. He wasn't rejecting me. Um, so, so my prejudice, you know, was very strong. And, and today, you know, my peace on the outside comes from knowing God on the inside. And, you know, so, so here I was confronted by others in whom the problem had been solved when I got here. But worse yet for me was the notion that I was still stuck in the quicksand. I mean, I was thrashing about. I was miserable, dying, yet still pontificating about solutions. I'll tell you all about how to, how to do this. You know, hey, hey, everybody, follow me. You know, yeah, right. You know, he's fat, angry, verbose. Let, let's follow him to the promised land. You know, who's with me? Well, well, nobody was with me. I mean, and I knew deep down, you know, my skepticism and my, my prejudice, it's a funny thing. We hold exceedingly tight to our attitude of doubt. But even, even Shakespeare said, you know, our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we often might win by fearing to attempt. So after having had a spiritual transformation, a complete psychic overhaul as the result of these steps, people see something different in me. All I had to do was follow the formula. The formula that I was taught was believe, decide, act, and change. Believe, decide, act, and change. I'm in awe of God's mercy. Thank you, God, for this change. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And who would like to share on what was read? Lauren Ash from Pittsburgh. Okay, Lauren, go ahead, please. Thank you. Okay. Lauren Ash from Pittsburgh, a recovered compulsive overeater. <clears throat> okay, so step two, we... um. It's found in these pages. There are um, many different words for God, and my uh, my voice of recovery, my my fellows who walked this path before me, told me, Lauren, if you're having trouble with the conception of God, try one of these words that are capitalized on this page. And also on page 12 in Bill's story, circle them while reading as you find them. And in this workshop I uh, I do to go through the steps, they the, one of the one of the women gave us all a sheet, and this sheet had all the names of God found in the book. And on this page alone, there's power, realm of spirit, Him, supreme being, power. For me, when I started my step two work, um, I started it through the book on We Agnostics, but I, I started really taking it into my heart before beginning the book. My version of God was actually a word that's not in this book. It, it, it actually was a goddess. It was a goddess. But all I needed was to plant the seed in me to believe that there was something greater than Lauren. And doing a thorough step one really showed me that there has to be something greater than me. Because 
me on my own power, doing the best that I knew how to do, the best, my best thinking, my wholehearted best thinking led me into physical obesity, mental suicide, emotional turmoil, the bedevilments, and spiritual emptiness. And there had to be something greater than me or else, heck, I might as well just die. You know, I might as well just die. So reading along on 46, there are, Bill is just offering uh, so many different words I can use. And uh, creative intelligence, spirit of the universe. Um, So it's really wonderful. Okay, thank you. I'll pass. Thanks, Lauren. And this is Katie G. And I'm just going to share really briefly. I'm so, I love this chapter. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And we're at this uh, chapter, We Agnostics, right? And as the previous speaker just just said, you know, um, I came to this work in my second surrender. I had uh, put the food down and been stark, raving, lunatic, living with my crazy mind, destroying my relationships, my job, my financial, my romantic life, everything. And I came to this part of the work, and all I knew, I was devastated, which is kind of the point of step one. Like, I'm powerless. I was abstinent, guys. I was sin, and I could not manage my own life. Like, what's the deal, right? Because I didn't understand the main problem is in my mind, right? And they're, but, they're, and, but then they're like, okay, well, what about God? And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I've played God my whole life. You know, my point was to prove everybody wrong. Um, but they make haste with excessive speed or urgency to reassure me Can I lay aside my prejudice, which is any idea that I've had 24 hours ago, and express even a willingness? Am I prepared to look at something different? And what I love, what I think is amazing, is it says we commence to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define and comprehend. So here I am sitting in this coffee shop with my sponsor, and I'm like the main problem centers in my mind. My mind creates self-centered fear. Based on that fear, I go out, I bulldoze other people, I treat them as less than me, or I'm really kind and then they don't get, give me what I want, I treat them as less than me, I get fired from four jobs, I lose relationships, and yet I want to fully comprehend a God that's going to solve my problem. Hysterical, right? If there was a God or a power or a light or an energy or whatever it is that was big enough to solve this food problem that I spent, or this, this problem that I thought was food, that, that manifested in food, I should say, but was really a disease that centers in my mind, manifested in my body weight and my food. If I spent 30 years trying to solve it, shouldn't there be something bigger than me that, that can? You know, and I just love that. And, and based on that very small mustard seed, I was devastated by the way I was living my life, and I had hope. And it says we commenced to get results immediately. I did not stop living the self-centered life I was living right away, but what did happen is I started to feel hope, like my life felt broken down, empty, and hopeless. 
But I knew. I saw the light in my sponsor's eyes, and she promised me if I continued to do the work, I would develop this relationship with a God of my understanding, and that God continues to grow each and every day. There is hope here. There is hope from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body where I can get free from the bondages and the shackles of my mind. And if you're sitting out there and you're miserable in the food or you're sitting out there and you're miserable in abstinence, it's because there is a God, but the only way to access that God is by getting undone, by letting go, by undoing my selfishness. And, and, and you know, God can do that with these steps. And with that, I pass. And who else would like to share on these paragraphs? This is Janice. <clears throat> okay, so I'm not exactly sure if everyone could repeat their name again. Janice. Oh, and Lindsay. Hannah. All right, I definitely heard Janice, and I think I heard Hannah, and I heard a Kimsey. Lindsay. Lindsay. Okay. So Janice, Hannah, and Lindsay. Did I miss anybody? Okay, we'll go in that order then, Steve. Janice, you're up. Well, thank you. Thank you, Katie. Um, good morning, everyone. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Yeah, this first paragraph on page 46, those words, we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice. First of all, the, 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 the sentence before, they're very gently trying to reassure us. Oh, I love that when somebody tries to reassure me. They're not telling me what I have to do, but they're reassuring me that, you know, just lay aside a prejudice, you know, your old belief, where you're coming from. You know, don't be defiant. You know, uh, try not to be doubtful. Very gently, you know, take your dislikes and doubts and lay them aside. Um, You know, the first lay aside idea I had to lay aside was um, that I had to believe, you know, um, in, in a God of my youthful understanding. And this tells us, just lay aside that. Just express a willingness. Don't, don't be defiant. Don't shut your, your mind out, which is, which is the opposite of opening your mind, which is a wonderful idea. Okay, just don't close it, but open your mind to something new. Now, they're not telling us in, in step two to have to, you don't have to define a God, you don't have to understand God, just be willing to believe that there is a power greater than me. What a gentle instruction that is, you know, very, very gentle. Just open your mind to the possibility. Oh, that's good. Okay. And I pass. Thank you, Janice. And next up, we have Hannah. Good morning. Um, I'm Hannah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. Thank you for the meeting. As always, I love getting up at five and having a meeting. Um, I was really, I, I was studying politics, and I had been active in politics for many years um, so I I did look upon this world of warring individuals theological systems and inexplicable calamity with not just with deep skepticism but with deep despair 
Um, and I, I knew too many people who claimed who, who were religious and and not good people. I mean, they didn't, you know, they went through the motions. Um, and when I first, I remember, it was my first or second 12-step meeting, and I remember seeing the steps on the wall, and seeing that second step came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And, and power was capitalized. And I thought, I need that because I didn't trust people. I just did not trust people. And, and to me, this is the difference between OA and the 12 steps and self-help programs, that this is a program of spiritual surrender, not of self-help, of how I am going to fix myself by learning how you fixed yourself. Um, and I, I didn't... I can't say I believed it. I can say I was desperate enough that I really, 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 really hoped it was true because I didn't know what else to do. Uh, people said, you know, God, G-O-D, good orderly direction. And that made sense to me because I could piece together that buying a one-pound bag of my favorite binge food and taking it home and eating it and calling that dinner was not sane or good orderly direction. So I, I really could hear that, oh, I need something that will help me have order in my food, in my attitude towards food, in how I eat, in what I eat. And, and as has been said, I, I saw it in action in my sponsor, I, I could see that she really believed that this stuff would work, that um, if it worked for her, it would work for me. And a first step in trust for me was I trusted her, that she was telling me the truth when she said that she surrendered to a power greater than herself. And it it gave her sanity around food and around other areas in her life also. Um, so I, I, I also, very early on, what I could grasp in my own life of what this power might be was, at that time I had a cat who I loved a lot. And, you know, when he'd get in my lap and I'd pat him and he would purr, and I thought, I don't know what that is that makes him purr when I pat him, but that's what I want to surrender to, that love. With that, I pass. Thank you, Hannah. And Lindsay, go ahead. Hi, this is Lindsay from New Hampshire, newly recovered and very grateful. Um, I... Um, I'm so glad to be listening to this this morning. And for many, many years in the rooms, I um, couldn't manage the word God at all. I, as soon as I heard the word God, I would, I would shut down, and eventually I'd leave program and I'd come back. And each, each time I came back, I would um, listen a little bit more, 
and um, the word God used to grate on me a little less each time. And then finally, when I began to see that um, I was not getting the results, I would, the promises were not happening to me, and I started to get honest. Uh, and I started to look at all the people that had recovery, have what I wanted. They were the ones that talked about God. Well, they weren't—they were the ones that I really didn't want to listen to. So I started to listen to them, and began to consider maybe the idea that that they really knew something, and that 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 even if there wasn't really a God, just their believing in a God seemed to be getting them results. And um, I was really identified in this passage. This you know, some of us have been violently anti-religious. I really was. I'm not sure why I had such a big attitude about God, but I really believed that people that relied on God and talked about Jesus and the Lord, I really thought that they were weak. I thought they had no backbone. And I really um, wore my self-defiance as a badge of honor. And um, uh, I didn't want to give that up. And I was really afraid that if I became one of those weak-willed people who relied on this God person, being, supreme being, whatever, that I would somehow, you know, be a weakling. And um, and then I, I finally realized that, 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 that I was getting some gifts from putting down the food and that life was beginning to change. But I still couldn't see, I still was in this stuck place, and eventually I'd go back and eat again. So one day I came in, and you know, a sponsor said to me, what if there was a supreme being? Just imagine, if I couldn't even conceive of that idea, what if there was? And of course, you don't have to call it God, it can be whatever you want. It seems to me that uh, you're putting a lot of power in that scale that you like to step on several times a day, and that box of something that you turn to, and that carton of something you turn to. Um, so it seems to me, from what you've told me, those boxes of things don't help you anymore. So what if you were to turn to something that wasn't found in a carton or in the freezer? And um, and so that's what I started to do. It's like, okay, just for today, because I'm a pretty imaginative person, you know, I can, I've got a good imagination. I imagine that maybe today there actually was this supreme being that was going to look out for me. And I got on my knees and I did all those things. And um, in the space of a very short amount of time, these serendipitous, you know, coincidences, whatever things began to happen. And more and more they happened. And it got to the point that, that if I stayed honest with myself, there was absolutely no doubt that there was this higher power. And um, I, um, it, took, it was a very, very long process. It was a very, very long process. And today, because I absolutely have absolutely no doubt, not just 98%, 99%, I am 100% that the reason that um, I have the life I have today and that I can finally call myself recovered is that I absolutely, beyond a doubt, know that God is running the show. And it's not just for what, you know, one moment of the day when I get on my hands and knees. It has to be every moment. And I have to be plugged in every moment of the day. Um, and I have this precious gift one day at a time. And I'm very grateful to be able to speak. I have been very nervous about speaking on this meeting. Um, and um, thank you all for showing me the way and continuing to show up. Um, God bless. Thank you. I pass. Thank you. And would anyone else like to share on what was read this morning before we move on? Sarah. Leah. Sarah and Leah. Go ahead, please. 
Thank you very much. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning. This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Overeater from Iowa. Um, I just wanted to uh, kind of connect uh, the 12 and 12 with with the big book because I keep on thinking of the word defiant. And on page 31 in the 12 and 12, it says, um, defiance is the outstanding characteristic of many an alcoholic. And then um, on on the bottom of the page, it just says, belief meant reliance, not defiance. And um, for me, um, you know, I have a very, very defiant personality, a very rebellious, um, uh, you know, I would say I'm probably in a DSM-3. <laughs> but uh, what what I realized today is that if I if I really look at the fact that at this point I'm powerless, I've, I've walked through the first step and I'm saying, you know, I, I, I can't do it of my own accord. I'm incapable. Um, you know, self-will, self-reliance didn't help me. Uh, you know, I'm still in the muckety-muck, uh, not only with the food, but I'm in the muckety-muck of my my mental obsession and my mental behaviors and my thinking and my my uh, I self and me, um, then what am I going to do? I mean, something has to be better than this. And I have to be really um, dirtied and, 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 and mangled to get to the point where I say I'm ready to, to accept that there may be something better. And I think that's the thing, just to keep that open mind I had to. And, and what helped me the most was to, to be able to believe, as it says in Bill's story, uh, which Ebby gave him, is that he could make his own conception of his higher power. You know, he didn't have to take on what other people had because I don't think I could have. I don't think I could have walked into uh, the second step with that. So I'm so grateful for that. And I kind of made myself my own, you know, kind of like help wanted ad for God. And, um, you know, as as I tend to believe more of those qualities exist in my higher power, I could have those uh, come true for me, that I would have those qualities because I wanted to aspire to those things. Not that I'll ever reach the pinnacle, but that's what I, I feel has happened for me, and I'm so grateful for that today, and I'm grateful for uh, for God and for all of you, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And Leah. Thanks so much, Katie G., for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. Well, I mean, it was obvious, at least for me, that, uh, you know, my human resources, as marshaled by my will, were not sufficient, Uh, you know, that they had failed utterly. Um, You know, I had to look at the results. I was cornered. (laughs) I was cornered. You know, this disease was continuing to progress, um, continuing to, to, you know, beat me (laughs) into a state of reasonableness, Um, and, you know, what were my options? There was no door number three. There is no door number three for people like me, a real compulsive overeater. Either I continue to eat myself into further disaster and eventual death, or I become willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Um, I had to look at the results of my life. You know, I had, 
uh, no close friends because they had deteriorated because I couldn't, uh, you know, offer any, um, you know, nurturance of those relationships. I, I you know, my family uh, was basically also deteriorated those relationships. Uh, I couldn't sleep well. I was feeling very guilty about things. I was full of resentment. I was thinking of suicide. I had isolation and depression. Um, You know, so I was cornered. Oh, crap, I'm screwed comes to mind. And the reality was that, much like uh, Bill's story, um, you know, I had to open my mind. You know, there were people there that were living proof for me that some power greater than human power was working in their lives because they had been restored to sanity. And I (laughs) was in a locked facility with a plastic wristband around my arm. So, you know, I had to uh, make a decision there to believe. And, you know, having grown up in a very intellectual environment, a very academically oriented environment where everything had to be accounted for and made sense, um, you know, that was a leap for me. I had a spiritual uh, lack of development. You know, we... We know of people being physically underdeveloped and people being emotionally stunted. Um, Certainly, I was spiritually stunted. I had never been developed in that area. So was I willing to believe? Well, I had to look at the, uh, I take an honest assessment of my own life. What had been my results of living based on Leia? My life is based on the ideas I produce in my mind. And the results had been terrible. I had to make an honest assessment of that. However, sitting across from the table was someone who had been drinking himself to death in a gutter and yet had been restored to sanity. So was I willing to to come to this conclusion without any knowledge and evidence and certainty or even feeling? Could I be willing to believe that some power greater than myself could restore me to sanity? (laughs) Or was I going to be willing to continue to eat myself to death? You know, and through that pain and through that suffering and through that desperation, I decided to base my life on the assumption that if it's in the big book, it's true as far as I'm concerned. And this eliminated massive amounts of doubt and uncertainty for someone like me who had grown up in such an environment. Because the bottom line was, due to uh, the proof sitting across from me, that the life based on the belief that God exists was far superior to a life without that foundation, which was represented by me and my life and my results. So, you know, I, I, you know, it was born out of, God came through my wound. This wasn't an intellectual decision. This was a decision that came from the tears of my soul. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And who else would like to comment on this paragraph? Hello, this is Rachel from Jerusalem, if I may. Sure, Rachel, go ahead. Hi, hi. Thank you very much for leaving this meeting, Kathy, right? The leader yep, is Kathy. This is, yep. this is Katie, yeah. Yep. Thank Go you ahead. so much. And and I thank everybody who is online. I just want to say very briefly that to all these wonderful things said that 
I think it's important to, for me to stress again and again to myself that nobody is asking me here whether I believe in God and what kind of God. This chapter is not trying to uh, convince me that there is a God. He tries to convince me that I can't go on without him. And that's a very big difference because out of that desperation, just like Leah said, out of that, uh, through that wound, as, as she says, that's where God comes in, but the wound has to be acknowledged that I have exhausted all my human resources, and I did. And I ended up in, in, in a treatment center in 89. I know that people say that they've changed a lot. To me, it did a world of good. But through it all, I knew that the, the how do we say, I resigned the debating society. It doesn't matter whether I understand who he is, whether he is, who is not. It just the fact is that I cannot go on without believing that this power, that there is a power that can rescue me. And, um, and, and, and that's the crux of this, this whole chapter to me, not, not to convince me that there is a God and what he is like, that here I, every time I choose to go to a meeting, and it used to be a long time, AA meetings and NA meetings, every time I bothered to come to a meeting, God would present me with his handiwork, he presented me with another one of his miracles, standing right there before me and declaring that he was lost and I was found. How can I doubt that? I thank you so much for being there, and I pass. Thank you. And who else would like to share on what was read? Sue? I'm sorry, was that Sue? Yes. Sure, do. Go ahead, please. Good morning. This is Do Recover Compulsive Overeater. Thank you very much, Katie, for your service. Um, I, I love this paragraph because, I, well, actually, I love this chapter because, one, it's going to, this is the first time I'm going to make contact with God. You know, uh, I may not comprehend God. I may not know God. I may not understand what that even looks like, but it is you know, part of this um, part of this chapter is to get rid of the prejudice that I've had and look at all the prejudice. And what is prejudice? Prejudice is the opinions formed without knowledge or examination. It is the irrational superstition or hatred of a particular group, race, or religion, or it is a bias or to cause someone to judge prematurely and irrationally. And that's where I was at when I first came into program. I was so um, <laughs> prejudicial and prematurely, you know, um, saying things or prejudging things before I even examine it. And one of the things that um, the spiritual experience tells us about is that contempt prior to investigation will hold us in everlasting ignorance. And here it's breaking open that door for us to examine the prejudices that have kept us from getting contact with God. Because um, that's always been there. It's just the fact that we block ourselves with the food, with other things, you know, that obscure us from seeing God. 
And I love this chapter because, and even this paragraph, because it's already introducing the idea that God has always been there. However, it's been blocked by certain things, you know, in my life that have not let me see God, you know. And so, you know, it could be uh, somebody tried to impress some idea when I was a child or, you know, a particular concept of God, whether he was a loving God or a punishing God, or whether, you know, um, all of these themes, you know, my own experience in life, which brought me to this place. Um, I, I can look at the warring theological systems. I can look at individuals. I can look at the calamities that people go through. I can look at all these things. So all of this, all of this is going to be examined in this chapter and it's going to help me to open up my mind to see that God was always there. You know, it's going to help me to get my own conception of God. It's going to help me to make that initial contact with God. And that's what this chapter is helping me to do, is make that initial contact with God. And so I love the fact that, you know, all I need to have is an open mind. And if I don't have it, it's going to show me the, the steps that I need to take in order to get that open mind. And it starts with willingness, which we're, we're going to read, read on ahead. Um, and I don't want to get ahead, but, you know, that's, that's the essentials, willingness, openness, and honesty. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Du. And we're going to move on. Marita, would you please pick up the reading where we left off? Yes, good morning, Katie. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Marita, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding, to those who earnestly seek, it is open, we believe, to all men. Yes, and to us women and to the children, too. This is amazing information and uh, so heartening to me, so full of hope. This idea, I love this sentence, we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. It's not exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek, it is open, we believe, to all men. So it sounds like my job is to be seeking, you know? What is it that the, one of those books says about seek and you shall find? Ask and the door will be opened. Um, that always, when I was younger, that always seemed like uh, too easy, you know? It, uh, it just seemed like... Um, a fairy tale kind of uh, solution. What? You mean all I have to do is ask? No, that can't be it. I can't trust that. Um, but once you actually do, my experience has been that once I actually was willing to o- 
open my heart, open my mind, and begin to trust in this process that that the energy of the maker, whatever you want to call this highest power, just comes rushing in, rushing in like a flood and uh, overwhelms me and uh, covers me up like a warm, like a warm embrace. It feels so good. It feels so peaceful and so easy and so right. And it is not a logical thing. It is not for me to figure this out intellectually. I can't. I don't have to. All I have to do is be willing to experience this process and um, begin to accept that this is really what my life is about, that, that God really is here for me and that uh, it's a collaboration. I need to be here, too, for my highest power. And together, you know, with that power in charge doing the directing, we, we do this work. It is so blessed and so amazing. And uh, I have to say that without this program, you know, I would never be able to be at this place, to be able to understand this miracle and this mission that we're all on. Thanks so much for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks, Marita. And who would like to share on what was read? This is Larry. I heard Larry and I heard Kim. Larry? I'll just make it real short. Uh, this is Larry, Recovered Compulsible Reader. Um, you know, the part that I'll focus in on is the, um, you know, it does talk about that, uh, you know, having so, you know, some semblance of the creative intelligence or spirit of the universe, <laughs> we began to be possessed by a new sense of power direction, so it flows in. But, it, you know, I missed the part after the comma, provided we took other simple steps. You know, faith without works is dead. And for me, personally, you know, just to put it real, you know, succinctly, um, if I come in, I can come in with all the faith in the world. Uh, there are many people that, that died, you know, of this disease that were people that believed in a higher power. If I don't work these steps... I won't have a spiritual awakening sufficient to arrest this disease. That's what I found. And so if I come and just sort of, you know, um, come into the program and kind of hang out and wait, like, through the process, you know, through sort of sprinkle me with pixie dust, if I hang around you folks long enough, you know, I will get what you got. Nope. Sorry. It doesn't work that way. Sorry, Larry. It doesn't work that way. You have to... Work these steps to have a spiritual awakening um, sufficient to arrest this disease. And I didn't get that for many years. Um, I hope you don't have to wait as long as I did. That'll pass. Thank you, Larry. And Kim G. Morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and affect a contact with him. 
you know, when we talk about all these prejudices, you know, I was someone that stayed around, I was around the room for many, many years, and a lot of the prejudices I had to look at was the prejudices I had about Overeaters Anonymous and the prejudices I had about these steps. You know, when I tried to work the steps simply off the wall and not through this book, I got confused. You know, I thought step two was I had to have a very definitive God, and I did a lot of exercises. I had to write a letter firing God. I had to write a help wanted ad for God. I had to write a letter of acceptance for God. All these different practices because I felt like I couldn't move on until I had this very definitive idea of God. Yet we're going to find here that all that step two is, is I acknowledge I need a power. I don't have to define that power. I don't have to understand that power. And all I know is I need that power. I'm not going to get conscious contact with that power to step 11. They're saying here, what, however inadequate was sufficient to make the approach. How are we going to approach that? We're going to approach that by doing the action steps that are going to follow. All step two is a conclusion. I wasted so much time working on step two when all step two was, it was a need for God. AA basically teaches us two things. It teaches us I need a God and I need others. Because in and of myself, I'm so self-absorbed, I can't even feel that power often. But I'm telling you, when I work with another compulsive overreader, I can, I can feel God. That's why I need others. I can feel the power of God as I'm working with you more than, ever, more than I can ever feel it of myself. You know, and someone mentioned self-help earlier, and someone gave me this great concept. You know, the only way that I can feel God is to get rid of self. Because I can't feel God when I'm so self-absorbed. So AA is not a program of self-help. It's actually a program of self-abandonment. Self-abandonment. And as I depress self, it allows God to come up. And how do I do that? It says here, with those, you know, we have to seek him. We have to earnestly seek. This is a program of action. You know, we're told in, the, in doctor's opinion that men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. Let me tell you, after walk, working through these steps, I love the effect produced by God. I have never had an effect from anything the way I get the effect produced by God. And that journey starts in step two by acknowledging I need a power. That is all that's necessary. That is all that's necessary. I do not need to define it. I do not even to say I need to believe in it. All I need is, well, however inadequate, I'm going to read that one more time because this is the essence of step two. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and affect contact with him. So all step two is, is the conclusion that I need a power. And because of a step one in understanding that lack of power was my dilemma, that propelled me to step two where I acknowledge I need a power and that will propel me to make a decision in step three to seek that power through steps four through nine. Start to live in 10, and then in 11, I will get that conscious contact I've been so hungry for my entire life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And thank you to everyone who shared today. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Katie F. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
Good morning. This is Katie up, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.